right. Good morning. Good morning. Good morning. Good morning. Um, we're going to be in uh, the book of Acts, the book of Acts chapter 4 this morning. That is the fifth book in the New Testament, right after the Gospels. If you want to go ahead and turn there and hold your place, Acts chapter 4, verse 13 through 22, continuing in this sermon series um, on the book of Acts. And so uh, before I, I get into this message on Acts 4 uh, this morning, I wanted to just uh, acknowledge that we started Advent um, this morning. We've decorated for Christmas, and I'm sure that you saw that as you came in. Thank you if you helped with that last week after the service. Um, Thanksgiving is over, and Christmas is coming, and it's an exciting time. And December is actually a really important time at Fellowship Raleigh, and I wanted to just share with you for a moment about giving in December, and so I do have a slide for that. But, you know, just, just something I wanted to communicate to you as we sort of get into December is just how important, you know, year-end, if you want to call it that, or generous partnering with the local church is in the month of December just, just for our church. Um, and so that's just a thing. And so, you know, this is, uh, you know, it's for, our, for the people who call this your church home. Um, but it's just, it is really an awesome thing to be part of a local church and, and, and to be partnering together in something that's bigger than ourselves, right? Bigger than our Christmas list, bigger than the, the things we're doing, but something as a church family that we're committing to do together, which is reach our city and our world uh, with the gospel of Jesus Christ. And so um, why does uh, December giving matter so much uh, for churches? Um, one reason is, is missions, you know, opportunities that the church has because the church is not a building. It's not a hour on Sunday morning. It's the people. And so opportunities that we have as a church to support those who are missionaries, not just way overseas, but even here, it really flows from generous December giving. It really does. Um, also, planning. As we plan the next calendar year, we're able to do that because of generous giving in December. Um, there are leaner months where everyone's gone, like summer, and December being a generous month really offsets that and has always been that way in the life of our church. And um, it also helps us to start strong in the new year. So those are some reasons just practically why it matters. Um, 20 to 30% of all nonprofits, uh, they, they, or I'm sorry, all nonprofits uh, count on 20 to 30% of all of their giving coming in the month of December. And I wanted you to know that Fellowship Raleigh uh, has uh, historically been at least 20%. So December has always been a really important and strong month uh, for our church. And I know that we need to see at least that uh, this year. Um, which is about double of our monthly budget, to be able to just keep on track with, with the growth that we want to see at our church. And so uh, why do I share this? Did someone tell me to? No. Um, did, do, do, are we in a crisis where this needs to be shared? No. It just was on my heart because it's the first, month, first week of December, and I was actually looking into our own family's giving because before I'm a pastor, I'm a member of this church with you, and I was, I was making sure recently on, on the online thing that it is what we intend it to be. 
which involved making some changes, which I had to call, you know, 911 Pastor Jonathan to get some tech help uh, to figure it out. Uh, but, but I was thinking about just, just us as a church family and the importance of, of getting the opportunity to be generous together in December. So I just want to put that on your minds and put that on your hearts uh, here at the beginning this morning. So Merry Christmas. So Acts chapter 4, Acts chapter 4, uh, verse 13 through 22. We are talking this morning about becoming bold, becoming bold. Do you feel that that could help you? Becoming bold. There's actually a really popular author, um, and I'm not like promoting this person, um, but, but I, I think they're helpful, but I'm not promoting them. But there's a really popular author named Brene Brown, who uh, she's just got a lot of influence. And this is in our day. Um, top five most viewed TED Talk ever. That talk was The Power of Vulnerability, over 60 million views. Number one New York Times bestseller six times with six books. One of those books is called Daring Greatly. Two million copies sold. So she's kind of the, you know, dealer of boldness in our day, in our society. You may not know about her, but 30% of people do. She's pretty famous. I did some research. Um, Earlier this year, she, Brene Brown, became the first researcher to have a special on Netflix called The Call to Courage. And so why do I mention this person, particularly why when I'm just going to be studying Acts 4 with you? Because I think it's helpful for us to just pause and reflect on the fact that millions of people care about this topic. This topic of being vulnerable, which is boldness. This topic of daring greatly, which is boldness. This topic of being called to courage, which is boldness. It's not just for Christians. It's not just a topic of interest to Christians. It's an epidemic in our society that people lack boldness and know that they do. And so we all deeply feel our need for it. Our desire to grow for it is documented in how popular people who teach about it are. So where is true boldness seen? And how is it developed? And that is what this passage is going to help us with this morning. In fact, I'm going to go ahead now and read to you Acts 4. Acts 4, 13 through 22, and then we will jump in and go through some points this morning, and the outline will be three reasons to become bold about my Christian faith. Let me just read the passage first and pray, and then we will, we will go from there. So verse 13, now, when they saw the boldness of Peter and John and perceived that they were uneducated, common men, They were astonished, and they recognized that they had been with Jesus. But seeing the man who was healed standing beside them, they had nothing to say in opposition. But when they had commanded them to leave the council, they conferred with one another, saying, What shall we do with these men? For that a notable sign has been performed through them is evident to all. 
the inhabitants of Jerusalem, and we cannot deny it. But in order that it may spread no further among the people, let us warn them to speak no more to anyone in this name. So they called them and charged them not to speak or teach at all in the name of Jesus. But Peter and John answered them, whether it is right in the sight of God to listen to you rather than to God, you must judge. For we cannot but speak of what we have seen and heard. And when they had further threatened them, they let them go, finding no way to punish them because of the people. For all were praising God for what had happened. For the man on whom this sign of healing was performed was more than 40 years old. Bow with me. God, we thank you this morning for your word. Uh, We thank you for the privilege and blessing that it is to gather as the people of God together and open your book and study. God, would you please uh, grow us in boldness? Lord, help us to be people who are bold about our Christian faith. Lord, there are people that you have placed in our lives, and you are calling us to be a little more bold about sharing the name of Jesus Christ with those people, perhaps even over these holidays. And so, God, we can't do that on our own. We can't do that through a TED Talk. We can't do it through a self-help author. We need your help, Lord. Courage from the Holy Spirit. And so, Lord, we ask for that this morning, that you'd grow our church. In Jesus' name, amen. Becoming bold. It's personal for me. Um, I can remember as an early Christian feeling that this was a major struggle, and and it still certainly is for me a struggle. Uh, Just this past week, I had a meeting, and, and I asked one of the elders of our church, to be there. And the main reason I asked him to be there was that if you're not there, I won't, I won't be as bold as I need to be. I need accountability to be honest and share with actual boldness sometimes. And so that is how it is for me. I can remember as a college student um, talking with the leader of our campus ministry, and I could tell he was really into like getting the students to share their faith with non-Christians. And I pulled him aside and I said, hey, I can tell you're like really pushing toward that. And I just want to let you know, I'm a keeper of the aquarium, not a fisher of men. Okay, this was like original for me. Like this was like early 20s sort of prophetic signs of 40s dad jokes. All right. This was like, whoa, like I came up with that on the spot. I told this guy that and he was like, "Okay, okay, just just that's fine. Just stay with us. Keep keep studying the Bible with us. That's all. But I was just so resistant to the potential of being pushed to be bold about my Christian faith. I can remember studying in Acts chapter 4 in college in the early 2000s in my NIV Bible. And I remember coming across this passage. And I actually was able to find that Bible uh, this week as I was studying, and, and I just remember, but I wanted to see it, but I remembered underlining the word boldness in this passage. And I remember I looked it up in a concordance. It was Strong's Strongest Concordance. There's an actual book called that. Strong's Strongest. It's a Greek-English concordance. And I looked it up, 
and I found it, and I totally remembered writing confidence times freely times openly times plainly, that that was the definition that I found in this concordance for the word boldness. And I remember being inspired about it and thinking, I I do want to become more bold. So the word here is a key word in Acts. It's a key word, and it's the word that describes how the gospel is presented when it is presented in the book of Acts. This word boldness. It actually is the word paresia, paresia, however you say it, it doesn't matter. We're just going to do English today. But it means use of speech that conceals nothing and passes over nothing. Outspokenness, frankness, plainness, openness, boldness. That's what it is. That's what we're talking about this morning. One of the things about boldness in the Bible is it is in reaction to a situation. So Peter and John are arrested and they're asked, and by what name did you perform this miracle? And they're bold. But boldness is a reaction to a situation where boldness is required. It's not necessarily like on Peter and John's to-do list to just go out and just be super bold. It's more, hey, when we're faced with a situation, we got to be bold. Boldness is not a number on the Enneagram. It's not a personality type per se. I'm talking here about boldness as we are called to it in the Bible. It's not a personality type. It is for every follower of Christ. We're all called to this boldness. And so that is what we're looking at this morning. So I want to give to you from this passage three reasons to become bold about my Christian faith. And then at the very end, in the conclusion, I want to give a couple of ways to become more bold. Okay. So the first reason, and it comes from verse 13, is that boldness is Christ-like. Boldness is Christ-like. I mean, hello? So it would be one thing that we would want to be. Boldness is Christ-like. Verse 13, it says, Now when they saw the boldness of Peter and John and perceived that they were, it says, uneducated, common men, they were astonished. The the words here, uneducated, it literally means that, it could mean that they were illiterate, but we don't think that it means that. It means that they were not formally trained as rabbis. It also means that it says uneducated, but it also says common. It means that they were not like actual ordained leaders in the Jewish sort of first century synagogue. These were common people. These were lay people not seminary trained, not ordained. This is ordinary believers with an extraordinary God. That's what this is. And it's important to see this, right? Recognize how boldness is not just for the seminary trained and the ordained. Boldness about our Christian faith. In fact, it is so important that if you're a just a partner of a church, and I say just, I mean, it's not like a just type of thing, but like if you're just a lay person 
in a local church, if you're just a follower of Christ who works at whatever, whatever place, it's so crucial that you're bold about your Christian faith. I'm so serious. Like, if I'm bold about my Christian faith and, like, I'm a pastor, right? Nobody really cares. I'm a professional Christian. Like, it's expected. It doesn't count. I mean, it does. I'm kind of saying that with exaggeration, but you have got to be bold. Again, I will often, if, I, if I'm going into a meeting with someone and I'm going with another person from our church, I'll say in the car on the way to the meeting, hey, you got to be bold. Because whatever I say, it, count, it doesn't really count that much to them. It's what you say that they're going to listen to. Because you're more like them. You're like just an ordinary Christian. Be bold. It's so important. So just remember that. Now, when they saw the boldness Peter and John of Peter and John, and they perceived that they were uneducated common men, it says they were astonished. And they recognized that they had been with Jesus. Now, one thing I want to show you here is it's interesting how it says they were astonished. Make a note of the fact that, that the world is amazed by boldness. Millions of TED Talk views. We're astonished. We're amazed by boldness. We want it. We're secret admirers of it. We love it. Make a note of it. It's not new. It's always been this way. They're astonished. Do you know that they had the same reaction to Jesus? It, even when Jesus was a boy in Luke 2, 47, and this is the same writer, Luke, who wrote Acts, it says when Jesus was a boy, he went to the temple in Jerusalem and he was sitting there questioning the teachers of the law. In the same word, it says they were astonished. Later, Jesus would teach what is called the Sermon on the Mount, and after it, it says that they commented that Jesus speaks as one who has authority, implying, you know, he's not really educated. He's more of a common man like these disciples, but he speaks as one who has authority. So when it says that they recognized that these disciples had been with Jesus, what it's saying is that they, Peter and John remind them of Jesus. The feeling that they have is the same feeling they had with Jesus. An uneducated, unofficial, common, yet bold spiritual leader. That's what they're saying. And so it says they, they were astonished and they recognized that they had been with Jesus. And so what is the point for us to take away from this? Again, three reasons to become bold about my Christian faith. So this is for you, all right, and for me. Because it's Christ-like. Because Jesus was bold. And when we're bold, people go, hmm, you remind me of somebody. Look at the comparison in just this passage, all right? Let me show you a table because I was studying this passage and I was thinking, you know, so much about Peter and John being bold could be noted here, but really they stand in this sharp contrast to the Jewish leaders in this same passage. 
the Jewish rulers are, let's call them, secret admirers of boldness. Peter and John are public admirers of Jesus. The Jewish rulers are unwilling to say what they really think except behind closed doors. You saw that in the passage. We're about to get back to those verses, but when we read it, all of it, did you see that? They're like, hmm, well, we're not going to say what we really think in front of the guy they just healed, so let's send them away. Let's close the doors. Let's have private counsel, and let's talk about what we really think. They won't share what they really think unless they're with people that they know agree with them. Yet Peter and John say in the end of this passage, that they cannot not speak of what they have seen and heard. And you say, Matt, that's a double negative. Well, it's a double negative in the Greek, so I guess the double negative is more biblical then, okay? They cannot not speak. That's true. That's what it actually says. Look at the Jewish rulers, though. They are driven by popularity. It says at the end of this passage, it says... They uh, realized that they could threaten them some more. They could, they could send them away, but they really couldn't punish them anymore because of the crowds. They're driven by popularity. And Peter and John are driven by listening to God. Now, here's the challenging part of this that I want to say to you, is that as we read this passage do not make the mistake of immediately over-identifying yourself with Peter and John or with Jesus, right? Like, we just need to ask the Lord to convict us and apply the word to us, and we all need to become more like Christ, and that's the point here. Boldness is Christ-like, and I think when we look at these two ways, which one more characterizes the way that we interact with people. And so let's not aim to be more like Peter and John, but let's aim to be more like Christ, which is all Peter and John were accused of doing in verse 13. Second reason to become bold about my Christian faith. And it's this, that the Christian faith is the truth. It's the truth. The truth, all capital, definite article, T-H-E, it's the truth. Look at verse 14 through 18, and, I, and this is actually really important because oftentimes we, we live in a society, we are like fish in an aquarium, and the water is our culture, our society, the worldview around us, where people constantly say and very strongly hold to the belief that everyone has their own truth. I'm sharing my truth right now. That, that's how things are in our world. But we as Christians need to be reminded regularly that that's not how things really are in the world. The Christian faith is the truth. So let me show you. This is really good. Verse 14, But seeing the man who was healed standing beside them, they had nothing to say in opposition. But when they had commanded them to leave the council, they conferred with one another. They had a conference. Conferred, that's what that is. Saying, what shall we do with these men? 
For that a notable sign has been performed through them is evident to all the inhabitants of Jerusalem, and we cannot deny it. Interesting. So they're not denying that this miracle truly happened. We're right now, listen, right now we're in the inner chamber. We have just walked into the Sanhedrin's private conference. Or if you want to bring it into 2022, we are inside the closed door of the closet of the brain of many non-believers. And they're like, I can kind of see the truth of what you're saying, but I just don't want to believe it. It happened, but I don't want to acknowledge it. That's what these guys are doing. Belief and faith is not a problem of the mind. It's a problem of the heart. And so continuing, they're like, what shall we do with these men? Look at verse 17. But in order that it may spread no further, right? They're like, we got to slow the spread. We got to stop the spread, Okay. This passage, I had so many dad jokes I could have rolled into this passage. Um, and in order that it may spread no further among the people, let us warn them to speak no more. Let's take away their freedom of speech, okay? Let's do censorship. See what I'm saying? It's like the Bible's so relevant. Uh, Let us warn them to speak no more to anyone in this name. So they called them and charged them not to speak or teach at all in the name of Jesus. So here's what I just want to observe. The dynamic in verse 14 through 18 is not Peter and John's truth versus the Jewish ruler's truth. It's not. It's not. That's not the dynamic to anyone in the equation. It's just not. But yet that's sometimes the pervading sort of mindset that we allow to fill even our own minds. But even the Jewish rulers acknowledge that that's not the actual dynamic. It's more Peter and John and the truth. The guy was healed. They even said they performed a notable sign. What does it say? No one can deny it. But then they're like, but we just, we need to stop the spread. Like we need to, we need to stop the teaching in this name. And so let's tell them to stop sharing about it. It's Peter and John and the truth versus the Jewish rulers who are knowingly suppressing the truth. That's the dynamic. The heart of the problem is a problem of the heart, not the mind. Three reasons to become bold about my Christian faith. The first one is that boldness is Christ-like. The second one is that the Christian faith is the truth, and we can go forward with boldness knowing that our faith is not in faith. We don't believe in faithism. Our faith is in the historical resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. 
the truth that has implications on everyone's lives. So we must be bold. Three reasons to become bold about my Christian faith. The third one, boldness is obedience to God. Boldness is obedience to God. So this is from 19 to 22. Let me read. But Peter and John answered them, whether it is right in the sight of God to listen to you rather than to God, you must judge. For we cannot but speak of what we have seen and heard. So they know that Jesus charged them and has charged every Christian to be a bold witness of the gospel of Jesus Christ to share the Christian faith with others, to be bold about their Christian faith. There is really no such thing as a super private, you know, I'm not telling anyone, I'm undercover Christian. It's just not a thing. They know God has called them to be bold. And so for them, it's a matter of, okay, we hear you, but... We're going to listen to you. We're going to listen to God. And they're talking with people who are religious, who believe in God, the Jewish rulers, and they say they can, that's, a, that's a sort of thing they can understand, and they're just like, are we going to listen to you or listen to God? Hmm? It's interesting that they were told to not perform any more miracles, right? Wrong. Wake up. Nope. There's nothing attacked about the good work that they did. If they want to go adopt Lord Berkeley Road, they could totally do it. It's not illegal. If they want to go just do things, just serve people, just help people, just, just like not be bold in the name of Jesus, but like help a lot of people, they got no problem with that. And we do need to serve our city. And we do need to be filled with compassion and drawn toward helping those who are broken and need our help. This passage definitely shows us that because Peter and John want to help this guy that they healed. But make a note of the fact that what is opposed is not the good works. It's the message of the gospel of Jesus Christ. It's that they stop speaking in this name. That's what's said. The name of Jesus was their message. It was the name that saves. You'll recall from last week's sermon in verse 12 that there is no other name under heaven by which we must be saved. It's their message. It's the name that saves, and it's the name that is opposed. It's important to see that. Boldness is obedience to God. Continuing, verse 21 tells us, and when they had further threatened them and they let them go, finding no way to punish them because of the people, for all were praising God for what had happened. For the man on whom this sign of healing was performed was more than 40 years old. This is a very significant miracle in the New Testament. 
If you think about it, just think about this for a second. We've been talking about it for like a few weeks. Sometimes look at the Bible and just look at how much is devoted to one thing. And it tells you this is important. Like there's a lot about the life of Joseph in Genesis. It's like 10 chapters. There must be something there. There's a lot about this miracle. Acts 3, Acts 4. I mean, it's like, man, we're like really going into this. Why? Boldness is obedience to God. Luke's not just writing a history book. He's writing to the early Christian church so that they can read this story and see that they, under intense Roman persecution, are called, just like Peter and John, to boldness. And that it's a matter of obedience to God, literally rightness. You judge whether it's right for us to listen to God or to man. Peter and John are like, we want to be right. We want to be right. We want to become bold. We want to be right with God. He's called us to be bold. So three reasons to become bold about my Christian faith. I trust that you want to become more bold. I trust that these Uh, reasons sort of provoke and inspire you toward that. One is that boldness is Christ-like. One that can kind of bolster you is just that reminder that the Christian faith is the truth. And three, boldness is obedience to God. It's listening to God's word. So how how do we become more bold? How do we become more bold? And I have a few Things I want to encourage you with as we, as we close, as we think about how do we actually become more bold in taking like this passage and looking for helps here. One is be filled with the Holy Spirit. Okay? Now, that can sound very like, I don't know, uh, just high spiritual language and not really be like, okay, that's on your like morning to-do list type of thing, right? Um, what that means to be filled with the Holy Spirit, it, it means, first of all, to be a Christian, to have put your faith in Jesus Christ, to have repented of your sins and believed in Christ. You cannot be filled with the Holy Spirit and be bold as a Christian until you have touched first base, which is to put your faith really in Jesus. But... It, it, it means to fully surrender to the Lord's leadership in your life. Being filled with the Spirit, it's referring to a filling that controls you. In the same way that one might look at someone who's had a few drinks and they give you the breathalyzer test and they're trying to see how much of this alcohol is in you, like What is your alcohol to blood content level? Like, I'm trying to see, are you just a person who's had a sip or are you someone who's under the influence? The idea is being filled with the Spirit of God to the point of He's controlling and leading your life. You're under His influence. That's what being filled with the Spirit is referring to. So... The first thing to become bold is to be filled with the Spirit. You say, where do you get that from? Well, in chapter 4, verse 8, which you guys looked at last week, it says right before Peter started speaking, the speech that he gave that they observed was bold. It says, then Peter, filled with the Holy Spirit, 
said to them. And I want you to think about this too. Being filled with the Holy Spirit will lead us into situations where boldness is needed. And that's where we're going to be bold. It's not like just leave, like, I want, hey, I want everyone here to be bold before you leave the parking lot, okay? That's not what we're talking about. Like, just somehow find a way to be bold before your car hits the street, right? Like, just get bold. Like, that could get dangerous. Like, I mean, that's not what we're saying. Be filled with the Spirit, that the Spirit of God, that God's leadership of your life might lead you over these holidays, over this next week, into those situations where you're going to either be more like the Jewish leaders, a coward, or more like Peter and John and Jesus, bold. And it's exciting. So how to become bold? Be filled with the Spirit. Number two, spend time with Jesus in the Word of God. It says in verse 13 that their boldness made the remark to be that they had been with Jesus. They had been spending time with Jesus. Jesus had rubbed off on them. How does Jesus rub off on us? How? The only real powerful, the most powerful way that Jesus rubs off on us in our lives. There are a lot of means of grace. You know, there are different things we can do to grow in our faith, but the primary one is being in his word. Renewing our minds with the Word of God. Taking our brain out, spraying it off with the hose, putting it back in, right? Like renewing our minds with the truth of God's Word. That's, that is how we spend time with Jesus, and it's so critical. John 8, 31. You are my disciples indeed. If you abide in my Word, then you shall know the truth, and the truth shall set you free. Insert free from cowardice, people-pleasing. So spend time with Jesus in the Word. That will help you, and it will help me, to be more bold. We're not going to be bold if we're not spending time in God's Word. Maybe you have a bold Enneagram number or personality type, and that might get you through a little bit, but it's not the kind of boldness that God's going to really use. Sometimes we wonder, why are we not more bold with our families over the holidays? Well, most of us take off until January 3rd from even getting in the Word until then. That's why. And so we have to spend time with Jesus in the Word of God if we're going to become more bold. Number three, find community with fellow believers and pray for boldness. Find community with fellow believers and pray for boldness. Now, this is kind of cheating. It's going ahead to the verses next week. But the response to this whole occasion is that they have a prayer meeting, and in the prayer meeting, they are praying that God would give them boldness. Chapter 4, verse 29, here's the prayer. And this is the prayer of the group of believers. It says, Now, Lord, look upon their threats and grant to your servants to continue to speak your word with all boldness. So again, I think one of the ways that we can become more bold is by finding community with fellow believers and with those people pray for boldness. Listen, just like we won't be bold if we're not in the word, we will not be bold if we're not in community with other believers. 
there's no way you're done. It's not going to happen. It's not going to happen. Think about Peter. Peter is so bold here. In Luke 22, when Peter was all by himself and outnumbered, sitting by a fire, he denied Jesus three times. Yet now, I mean, there are some other things that have happened since then too, amen? Jesus is risen. The Spirit has been poured out. But also, Peter is not alone. He's with John. He's in this group of believers in chapter 4. And together they are praying for boldness. When we pray for it together, there's a sense of this is a value our community upholds. This is something we're holding each other accountable to. This is something that we desire to be more bold about our Christian faith. Find community with fellow believers and pray for boldness. And so as I close, remember that the title this morning is Becoming Bold. The world secretly admires it and wants it. You, Christian, have it. Yet many followers of Christ have not claimed it. Become bold. Become more like Jesus. Become bold about your Christian faith. So let me pray as the worship team comes back and leads us in one more song. We're going to have during this song some leaders up front who are available to pray for you. And it would be a perfect chance to walk into this application that we just said of praying with other believers for boldness. Let me pray.